you want to take your Bibles out, I'm going to kind of go through Luke just a little bit. Um, how many of you have your Christmas decorations up? Anybody? Christmas decorations? Somebody like, what? We've been doing that since June, Pastor Stan. It's been a, a weird year, so we put them up. Um, and so imagine this. Uh, Matthew 1, 21, she gave... She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Imagine now again an angel coming and speaking to you uh, and telling you this. And then in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 12 and it says, And there were shepherds in in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So imagine again now an angel appearing to shepherds out in the field and telling them that there's a Savior. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this means, the Savior. Um, so there was a little boy getting ready for Christmas. And of course, he was writing his letter, his Christmas letter out. And he was finishing his letter and, and he, he added this, Dear Jesus, i got to write to read this to you. Dear Jesus, I, I want you to know that I've been good for six months now. Then it occurred to him that he knew that Jesus knew everything and saw everything. So he crossed out six months and then he wrote three months. And he thought a little bit more. And then he says, okay, I've been good for three weeks. And then realizing that Jesus knew better than this, he put down his paper He went over to the nativity seat on top of the table in his home and he picked up the figure of Mary. And then he took out a clean piece of paper and he began to write on another letter. Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, you'll get that in a second. Some of you, what? So so my point is this. If we're all honest, I suspect that none of us can write a letter proclaiming to Jesus that I've been perfectly good for six months. I've been perfectly good for four. I've been perfectly good for two minutes. Okay, maybe, maybe some of us. And so we deal with this thing that that we're humans, we're flawed, but yet God loves us. And this is what the Christmas message is about. And shortly after, uh, shortly after Mary is is to to give birth. and, And here's the news from Gabriel. Then the angel of the Lord goes to to Joseph, her betrothed, and says, your your betrothed will give birth. And, and he will be a savior. And Joseph doubts this account. He doubts it. I mean, uh, uh, it, it might be different. An angel comes to you while you're sleeping. You might be thinking, what? My goodness, I had some bad hummus. Uh, that lamb must have been rotten or something. like. I don't know what happened. But he would not be the only person who would doubt that Jesus would be the savior. And over 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus did become the savior. He was born. He, he did live. He was buried. He was resurrected. But still today, people still doubt who the Messiah is. Here we sing the Christmas songs. We give the Christmas gifts. But still sometimes we don't understand fully about the Savior or what he does for us. In fact, the Hebrew word for, for, for Savior, for Jesus, is Yeshua. And it comes from the Hebrew words. It's two words put together of God, God, Yahweh, which, which really means to deliver, which is, I mean, is the Lord. Yahweh is the Lord. And then Yasha, which is deliver. So it's Yeshua. Jesus is Yeshua. So his name means God saves. Like Big deal, Pastor Stan. What does this have to do with me in this 2020, in this terrible season, this COVID season? Uh, What does this mean that Jesus is the Savior? 
Why do I need a savior? Does he save us from what? What? Well, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let's let's listen in. Let's let's look at what the incarnation is about. Our need for the savior. So the first line, if you're taking notes and in this we have it here and we have it there is, are you saved? Now, if you've been around a Christian church, you might have heard that. And to me, that's Christianese. You might, you might say, brother or sister, are you saved? I remember I grew up, and I'm, I'm not trying to mock anybody, but I grew up in a, uh, a, a good church, a great church, and my pastor was from Texas. So that's sometimes where I, I get that. And, uh, and I, I, I just can hear that sometimes when people come into the church and they would, they would look for answers or looking for Jesus, and someone might say to them, are you saved? And, and so sometimes, like, what, what does that mean? And I remember in a communications class years ago in, in my undergrad days, and the professor, uh, and he, he sometimes would mock Christianity, but he, he, he used a scripture in this communications class to see, I don't know what his, his, his deal was that day, but he, he wanted to use this describing um, that we needed to, to be saved. And it says, are you saved? There's a scripture saying that, that, you know, how to be saved or you will be saved. And so we broke up into groups to, to communicate what this meant and how to communicate it. And, and I remember there was a guy genuinely, genuinely, he, he probably didn't go to church, never read the Bible. And he, he really did say when after we read the scripture in, the, in this class at the University of Southern Colorado, and he read it and he says, what, what do we need to be saved from? And in my mind goes, yeah, you know, when we speak that, he, he didn't even know what I need to be saved from. And so sometimes in the church, we tend to use churchy words. And, and, and so we understand that when someone says, are you saved? Hopefully in church, we understand that. And I remember during those same college years, we would sometimes go out into the parks or the streets to tell people about Jesus Christ. And, and I remember having some, some groups with us. And I do remember times we would walk up to someone and we would try to train these people how to talk to them and engage them. And, and, and the goal was to share Jesus Christ. And I remember a couple of times, some of them would just go up there and say, um, do you want to be saved? Or, or are you saved? And the people would, you got to imagine this now, if you're not a church person, what does that look like? Or so, be saved? Well, um, uh, someone, and I remember someone saying that um, I was rescued from being drowned, you know, so I, I guess I was saved. And so I think to myself, you know, we, we have these churchy words, but inside we understand that. So really, what, what does it mean to be saved? What does the word mean? Well, the Greek word is sozo or sozo, if you want to pronounce it. And it really means to, to be delivered, to be rescued or to be helped. And when we speak of Jesus, the Savior, we, yes, we're speaking of his work to, to deliver us from sin, Satan, and hell. But he's, he's really delivering us. He's helping us. He's rescuing us. And so I, I want you to grasp this from the biblical perspective. It, 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 yes, sometimes means physical healing, forgiveness, and rescuing from enemies. But it's also rescuing from our hopelessness, our fears, our doubts, our, our, our self-destructive habits. And, of course, delivering us from Satan. And so in this, it can, it can be reminded because all of us struggle physically, mentally, emotionally. But a lot of times the biggest battles you and I face are internal. And so Jesus comes not just to save you from a lifestyle of sinfulness, but also to save you from a mindset that would be destructive, a mindset that would tear you down, or even the words from the world that would tear you down. And so it can speak of an internal transformation. God saves us from despair, dis, dis, disliking yourself to, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And so there are many ways that Jesus saves us. Say many ways. Come on, I've got to get you in here. So, so are you needing real life chains? Well, the answer maybe is yes or no. But if it is yes, then I would say you and I need Jesus, the Savior. 
So saved from sin. Let's talk about that. So are you saved? You understand the word, the concept. Number two is saved from sin. And you've heard this maybe, maybe you've asked this question is, why do Christians spend so much time talking about sin? And for some people, it, it may be really the only thing they hear about in churches is that, you know, it's, they're always talking about sin and how bad I am. And, and, and so this might sadly be what they, what they hear. And Jesus didn't come to tell us we're sinners. He came to set us free. In fact, look it up. John 3.17. Pastor Melissa read John 3.16. John 3.17 says Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to set us free. Now, on the other hand, if you go to a church and they never talk about sin, then I'm going to tell you, you probably should leave that church because there is sin and it, it's a destructive thing. The good news is Jesus is, doesn't come here to call us sinners. He calls us, he calls us out of our sin. He comes to save us. And so this is the message that the church must get out. The church must stop going around. And some people in their church, they feel it is their call to point people's sins out. And I'm always scared to do that. I mean, if God tells me, then yes, but I'm afraid to do it because my life can be a shambles at times. And it's not my job to label sinners. It's my job to tell them of Jesus Christ, the Savior, and let Jesus and the Holy Spirit deal with their sins. And I think the, the Christian church in America, I'm just being tru- truthful with you. I think we're standing on the wrong side when we're pointing at people saying that they're not good people. And, and I, the world's really into that judgmental pointing thing. And, and, and just so you know what, Jesus is here to save us. He didn't come to label us sinners. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to set us free. And I think the church must get the message out that Jesus rescues us from sin and destruction and hopelessness. So, so let's talk about what is sin. Letter B, what is sin? Well, both the Old Testament and the New Testament really imply that it's, it's getting off the right path, getting off the ideal place, getting off the mark where God wants. God plans a, a life out for you. That's a great life. And what happens is we begin to wander from that. We begin to, to go off. And, so, and sometimes we willfully say, oh, I don't need you. I don't, I'm going to do my own thing. And so really it's missing the best that God has for us. And the Greek word for sin is hamartian. It, it basically, again, missing the mark. If you can imagine someone with a bow, an archer, a bow and arrow, and there's a target, and they're, instead of aiming at the target, they're just aiming at anything. They're missing the mark or they're shooting short of the target. And that's what sin really is. It says coming short, coming short of God's best for our lives. And what happens is when we come short, sometimes we do things that aren't good for us and we do things to other people that are bad. And so it's really just missing the best what God has for lives. First John 3, 7 and 8 says this, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. You see, sin causes us to miss the mark, to miss God's plan for our lives. Uh, it's destructive. And, and, and if we don't check it through God, it can destroy our, our internal lives, our external lives, our family, our friends, the nations. I mean, it, it's just getting off the straight now. I mean, it, it causes sloppy living. It, it causes us to be selfish. It, it causes us not to be dependable, not faithful. Uh, it causes us to not be gentle and caring. And, and, and again, like I said, judgmental. Uh, and when it's in our lives, we're just not able to keep our word, our promises. And sure, we can try to have self Uh, self-control, but over time we lose control. It gives us clouded thinking. It causes us to hate people, causes us to judge people, causes us to envy. It keeps us from having a real relationship from God. And that's what is the missing of the mark. And God says, I don't want that. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to have have your your 
best life for me through me. And so this is what sin does. It takes us off that. It, it, it makes us think that we know what's better. And so the third thing is, is this, is everyone is affected by sin. We're, we're all affected. The, the Bible is very clear. We have all sinned. Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, Pastor Stan, I don't believe in sin. Therefore, if I don't believe in sin, it does not exist. And, and that can be a philosophical mindset. And I use this crazy example all the time. And that would be like saying, taking a, a glass of hydrochloric acid and drinking it and saying, this is only water. And so you can deny it all you want. You can philosophize it. You can, you can try to explain it away. But sin is destructive. I mean, do I really need to take a lot of time proving this fact? Look in our world today. I mean, there's always a war somewhere on the earth. There's always a group of people or persons being taken advantage of or being, being destroyed. There's always injustice in the world. There's always a wacko out there trying to hurt people. Uh, it's just, I don't need to tell you. You can just turn on the news. You can get on social feeds and you can just see sin is destructive. It does exist. But imagine if everyone truly followed Jesus, if they stayed on the path. There would be no wars. We would have no need for prisons. We wouldn't see refugee crises and people dying from malnutrition. There would be no racism. There would be no bigotry. There would be no misogyny. All marriages would survive and there would be no child abuse. All humans, though, we struggle with this thing called sin by missing the mark, trying to us to be the boss. And the whole world is affected by it. So then the question is, well, who will save us from our sin? Being right, having proper thinking, dressing right, quoting scripture, finding the right religion. No, none of that will really save you. Letter D is, who will save us? Well, Matthew one twenty one says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Because sin is so destructive, because it hurts everyone, God loves us so much. He said, I don't want you to destroy your lives. I don't want you to be led astray. I want you to have life. And so he makes a way. And that way is Jesus Christ. And friend, if you're watching and you're tuning in and maybe you don't understand this, this Christmas is not just about Christmas carols and eggnog and gifts and that's all fun. But it's about a a baby who was born, who would come and he would live a sinless life and he would give his life for us, as we talked about in communion. And that it was not just to save us from sin and make us right, but to save us from destruction. But give us hope, give us a joy and give us a future. Who will save us? Well, Paul struggles with this. And Paul, the apostle, he, he wrote most of the New Testament. He still struggled. I mean, he first was an enemy of the church trying to kill uh, and stop the church. God changes his life he has an encounter with jesus he's saved but he goes on to romans and he says i still struggle and and i want to do the right but sometimes i do the wrong in fact romans 7 and 18 to 25 but i'm going to go down to verse 22 in verse 22 it says i love god's law with all my heart but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me Oh, what a miserable man, person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he goes, thank God. Verse 25, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So basically, who will deliver us from a sinful lifestyle? Who will deliver us from falling off? Jesus. Jesus will do that. 
This is what the Christmas message is all about. Jesus, the Savior. Say that. Jesus, the Savior. Put it in the chat there. Jesus, he's our Savior. He's our deliverer. He's our helper. He's our healer. So this is what Christmas is about, being saved from sin. The next thing, just a few words about this, is wrestling with the devil. And whether you believe him or not, whether you agree with him or not, whether you think he's out there or not, um, the Bible's very clear. And again, I look at the world, and there are people who are evil incarnate. The enemy of our souls is really who he is. He wants to destroy us. You, you see him uh, in, in the Garden of Eden where he, he, he leads Adam and Eve astray. You see him later in different accounts where he, he, he stirred up troubles amongst the people of God. And in, in the book of Job, it says that, that he came and he accused. He was accusing Job and he wanted Job to curse God. And so he tried to cause it. In fact, the Bible calls him the accuser of, this, of the brothers. And we see that even he tries to tempt Jesus Christ. And so the enemy of our souls, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone of ours. He's out to destroy us. But Jesus comes to deliver us, not just from sin, but also the enemy of our souls, the devil. Because the devil will use sin, he used temptation, he uses our, our weakness to draw us away from God. That's what he tries to do. You see, temptations never really vanish. We will have temptations. And oftentimes we'll fall to some of our temptations. But as we're being transformed into Christ-like, He will give us power to overcome these temptations. We all have them. We all have temptations. And as the enemy hates us and tries to pull us away, the closer we draw to Christ, this is what Christianity is about. It's becoming, not following rules, but, but coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The more we try to become like him, the more the temptations are not as strong. I'm not saying they never go away, but we begin to recognize the enemy's tactics. So the second part of this wrestling with the devil, let it be, is deliverance from the evil one. The devil hates us, and he wants to destroy us. He wants us to be destroyed, even by our own hands, if possible. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. You should be shouting. You should be... I mean, it says this, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. The Bible is very clear. The enemy is powerful, but Jesus reigns over all. And He gives us authority and power to overcome the enemy. And He gives us the Holy Spirit. He lives with us. And He gives us the baptism of the Spirit to not only just survive, but to thrive. And James 4, 7 says this. He says, God gives us strength to resist. Submit yourselves then to God. Then resist the devil. Listen, if you resist him, he will flee from you. And I'm not going to read it all, but Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, Put on the armor of God, for we struggle not against humans, but flesh and blood, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And he says, Put on the armor and then stand. Stand in God. This is what Jesus comes to do, that we can stand. This is the reason we need the Savior. God loves you. God loves me. And he sends Jesus. He sent Jesus to deliver us from the destruction of the enemy. The fourth thing, and I want to talk about this just for a few more minutes, is the fourth thing is the forgiveness of sins. We talk about this as, the, you know, we, we, we used to sing a song, you know, his, and I think we sang it, part of it was in one of the songs, that his blood washes us and makes us white as snow. He, he, he gives us a clean saying your sins are forgiven. Uh, it would be like if you paid off a car or a mortgage and it says paid in full if you get that paper. And so when you accept Christ's salvation, your sins are paid in full. But it's bigger than that. 
That's very important. But letter A is we're saved from the ill effects of our sins. You see, after following Jesus, not only are we forgiven of our sins, not only does it says that we're paid in full, but then he saves us from the ill effects of our sins. You see, I'm not talking about the natural consequences of our sins. You see, bad health because of abusing our bodies or putting stuff in or broken relationships. I'm not talking about that. When, you, when you're downright mean-spirited someone and, and you do that, it, it's going to take you working it out. Or if you did something illegal, you, you may have to go to jail. I'm not talking about that kind of forgiveness, which partly God does that. Jesus doesn't just save us from consequences. And sometimes he allows the consequences. But he saves us. Listen, you've got to get this. He saves us from guilt, shame, despair, a sense of alienation from God that we feel when we sin. You see, Jesus comes to deliver us from that. He wants to deliver. God doesn't come to condemn us and make us feel guilty. Our sins make us feel that way. So he washes us and he he wants you to know that you are his son, his daughter. I remember the first church I pastored and I planted that. One of our leaders, uh, even it was kind of surprising because, I mean, he lived a life. He was, he said in his his teens and early 20s, he, he was, he was, he was abusing drugs and alcohol. And he was a bad person. He said, I was a bad person. And then he accepted Christ. And, and he began to become a better person. But he said it took him a while. In fact, to, to, I mean, he was in his 30s and he came to our church, married, had kids working in our church. And he finally said that God spoke to him and he realized that God loved him because he felt so bad about the life that he lived, uh, that he was such a, a bad person. It took it took him years to realize that he not only was saved and got that paid in full, but now that God really loved him, regardless of his past. And you see, many of us still walk in the shame of our past. And we think, man, I, was, I did that. I was such a bad person. But Jesus said, I've delivered you from that. You're free. Say, I'm free. I'm free in Christ. You see, Jesus comes to deliver us from that. He washes us. Con- consider the, the woman described in Luke 7. It, it just says that she, she came and she, she washed the feet. It, it says that she was a sinner. And she was freed from her old lifestyle. She was so grateful that she washes the feet of Jesus. And Luke 7.50 says, Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, Jesus can save you. Go in peace. Go in peace, friends. Don't live in condemnation. Yes, if you sin, confess it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful just to forgive us of our sins. Wash us and bring us back. You see, religion makes you feel bad. The devil makes you feel bad. Your own Self can do that, but Jesus says, I've come not just to wash you of your sins, but to deliver you from guilt and shame and despair. You should be shouting. This is what Christmas is about. And not only the forgiveness of sins, letter B, not only the forgiveness of sins, but restoration to God. You see, the New Testament word for forgiveness describes Christ's work as three things, basic, basically, forgiveness, deliverance, and liberty. Think about that. Forgiveness, deliverance, in liberty, it's like you were, you were doing wrong, you were captured, you were living in the prison of that, but Jesus came and you said, I'm sorry, Lord, okay, I'm forgiving you. I mean, he's taking you out of that camp now, he's delivering you, and now he's saying, you have, you have a chance to live new life. Here's the right path, now go and do it. This is what salvation, this is what forgiveness of sins is. Do you see what I'm saying? 
It's not just I'm going to heaven. It's not just I've been washed. Now it's just I've been delivered from that. Now God has set me on the right path into my relationship with God. This is huge. You should be shouting, jumping. Wow, praise God. You've been going crazy. Online, do it. Since people here aren't doing it, they're kind of sedate. You can do it online. Jump and shout because no one's watching you anyway, right? You see, he frees us from the slavery of sin and he opens the door for a relationship with God. And I love, I, we sing that we can boldly go, we can go to God. We can go to God's throne now. Romans 6, 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that we, the, so that the body was ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You're no longer a slave to your old lifestyle. You see, sin separates us, but forgiveness offered through Jesus makes us new people. New people. You can live a new life. You can change. You can go to God's throne. You can go to His face and call on Him. Hebrews 9.14 Just think how much more the blood of Jesus Christ will purify our consciences. From sinful, did you see that? So when we took communion, not only did we say, I recognize it, but we said, God, you can cleanse our conscience, our thought life. Purifies our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Think about that. I mean, you if you didn't get worship today, it was powerful. I'm sorry we have to be in the state for now. And, and maybe some of you worship at home. I mean, I almost blew my lungs out. I was singing, I was singing the, uh, Handel's Messiah. I was, I was singing Worthy as a Lamb on the, on the way in this morning. And I was just freely worshiping because I was like, you know, God, you've delivered me from the guilty conscience. I know when I do wrong and I confess it. But I don't have to live in that guilt and condemnation anymore. I've been restored. I'm being restored to Christ. Isn't that exciting? You should be excited about that. Number five. Number five, you see, we're, we're saved also from hopelessness, meaningless, and despair. You see, all of us go through an experience or, or what we call a crisis of existence, an existential meltdown, okay, philosophers. I had to say something deep, okay? We have a crisis of existence. In other words, we come to a point when we wonder why we exist. All of us do that. We wonder if our life has any value. And of course, the short answer is yes, it does. That's why God sent Jesus. You, you may feel like there's no reason going on. Let me t- to live on. The answer to yes is yes. You are valued and loved by God. And you have purpose. You have reason. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let yourself despair as hopeless as because, I mean, we're all carrying something, and this has been a hard year. I know we keep saying this, and my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Is This is, 2020 has been the longest 10 years of our lives. I mean, it has seemed like that. But I want to tell you that the forgiveness of sins, it helps you to realize, I have purpose, I have existence. Your life is not finished. God is not finished with you. That's why he sent his son to live, so that you can have life. There's reason to go on. Jesus came to deliver us. Think about the, the lepers in the societies of the time of Jesus Christ. Now we thank God for science and medicine. And leprosy is not as destructive as it was once was. But during this time, during this, this time of life in our history, if, if someone was, was leprous, if they had leprosy, they were, they were, just, they were written off. 
Good luck. And they would, they would have to live out by themselves in either colonies or they had to be by themselves. And, and, and you've heard me say this, is when they would come into town or they came and they saw people, they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, I'm a leper, stay away. And you see, think about the shame and the guilt and the despair and that they only survive if someone gave them scraps of food or family members dropped food or someone had mercy on them. And basically their body was, was just falling apart. It was rotting away. And this is what sin does to us inside, into our heart. But you see, you have value. Imagine now what this leper in Luke 5, it says, while Jesus was in, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, instead of saying, I'm unclean, he said, this guy can help me. He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Can you imagine this man's life now? He could throw away the clothes stained with sin. Now he could, he would no longer have to walk through the market or the crowds or someone. He would no longer say, I'm clean. Now I'm forgiven. I am a new man in God today. And you see, this is what Jesus' salvation does. It saves us not only from our wrongs, but it puts into us saying, I'm clean now. I'm clean inside and out. I'm washed. I'm a new creature. Your life has value. Your sins are forgiven. You have a hope and a purpose in Jesus Christ. Those of you listening, I know some of us are struggling. We're despairing. You don't have to live in guilt. Maybe I don't know what you did, but I'm here to tell you if you accept Jesus, you can be forgiven and you can be freed of that. Maybe you're a heavy burden that Jesus even said, come to me all who are weary and heaven burdened. Take my yoke upon you. This is what Christmas is about. This is what we need. We've had some heavy times. This is the most important thing. If you hear nothing today, is you are valued by God. Trying to look at all in the room. You are valued by God. I'm watching online. You are valued by God. You've got to say it, in, in, not only physically, and mentally, but you've got to believe it in this heart. You are valued by God. Why can I say that? Because God sent His Son so that you could live eternally and have a relationship with Him. You see, the, the work of Jesus to all people is that our lives have meaning and we are valued by God. God wants us. You know, Pastor Stan, you don't get it. I'm unloving. I, no, God loves you. Don't listen to that lie. You are valued. You are valued. Say, I'm valued by Jesus. This is why Jesus came in the flesh incarnate as the Savior. Even though we feel our, dedec- our dejection or our loneliness, our despair, Jesus is with us. You've got to say that, man. Jesus is for me. He's with me. Romans 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. You, you have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into, the, into his, this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance, character and the character hope. You see, it doesn't mean you'll never have problems, but through those problems, God is walking with you. You see, you are valued by God. There's a man. His name is his, his name is Brian Mohica. Do I have a do I, did the picture come across Brian and his two sons? It's hard to see. You see, soft, broken, soft spoken Brian Mohica, he repeatedly felt he was 
disappointing God and he lived he tried to go to church but yet he would go and live this double life and he would get, he would get stoned he would get drunk and, and he would be he, he would just get to the point that he had suicidal suicidal thoughts because two decades of, of being drunk and high a period of which he went through a painful divorce and his addictions and criminal charges he just he thought does my life matter does anyone care for me and he said that God spoke to him and that the only way he would be free, of course, is being saved, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mohica, let me just read you, see, he had, a, he had a large void to replace. He consumed beer, cigarettes, marijuana, cocaine, excessive. He spent his entire paycheck on drugs and, and then couldn't remember the carousing that followed. He'd waken in a woman's home with no rec, re, recollection of what happened the night before. And he said at this time, I, he, he says, I, real, I didn't realize it was destroying my life. And rock bottom came when he when he lost his driver's license. He was kicked out of nursing school and he had charges against him in aggregated assault. His mom, a also a former addict, told him that he needed to give his life fully to Jesus Christ. And today, Brian is now sober, maybe I think 10 or 15 years now. He's sober and he's been he's been reconciled to his sons and he's in relationship with them. And now he's, he's attending a, a Bible college and he's faithful in his church because he saw value in his life by accepting Christ. And listen to this. What has made the turnaround more impressive is Mohica's invention of an all-in-one medical undergarment. He works full-time as a CEO of Cathware. Mohica says the Lord inspired him when he worked, worked as an interventional radiology specialist to design the discrete catheter management system that... that System like shorts with pockets for the draining bags and holes so the tubing is kept out of the way. The devices are sold in pharmacies online and directly to physicians. So, um, I mean, he did this great thing because he changed his life. And he's living his purpose out. You have purpose. And number six is you are loved. You are loved. You see, everyone longs to be loved. Everyone, this is a deep fundamental need by humans we want to be loved we need to be loved everyone wants to be loved and treated with value everyone does but the world abuses people the devil causes us to hate and and to 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 misalign people but you see love came down from heaven in the form of a person named jesus christ to show us what true love was romans 5 8 but god demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does that sound like condemning God? Does that sound like a judgmental faith? No, that sounds like a God that says, I'm giving my best so that you could have life. Because I love you. You see, that love was evident in the way that he, he walked. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He cared for his disciples. He cared for the dejected. He loved all people. But his love was clearly seen when he hung on the cross so that we could all have life. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send his Son to condemn the world. He did not send the Son into the world to condemn it. Let me say it again. He did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save it. Say that. To save it. 
Church, we have to stop being judgmental. I'm ashamed of watching believers online pointing and saying that people aren't Christians. Jesus didn't call us to condemn. He called us to proclaim Jesus Christ. We must proclaim this Savior. This is the Savior I follow. Yes, He's right. Yes, He's holy. But I'm not. And that's why I need Him. Jesus saves us from lovelessness. You see, again, as I said, lovelessness. There is no greater love than to give up your life for another. We see people do that often. People will give their life so someone else can live a life. And this is the exact point of what Christmas is about. The greatest gift that Jesus would come to us and give his life so that we could have life. He saves us from lovelessness regardless of of what anyone says to you, whatever the the voices are speaking to you. I know some of you struggle with this. and I know there's a lot of things going on. There's chemical balances. There's pressures. I know that. And there's, there's things. And you need to do whatever you need to do to get whole. But I'm here to tell you, you are loved. No, Pastor Stan, you don't understand. My mom and dad said this. My, my friend said this. The world says this. I don't care what they say. They're wrong. Because Jesus says, I love you. And I want you to accept that this is the Christmas message. This is the incarnational. This is what it, you are loved. Say, I am loved. Type it in, in the, 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 the chat there. I am loved. You see, not only are you loved, but this love makes it so that you don't have to be separated from God. I mean, yes, we can walk away from God, but you don't have to. You don't have to listen to the lies of the devil of the world. Paul says in Romans 8, And worship team, can you come now? Romans 8, 38. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know Pastor Melissa quoted that just a little bit. Nothing can separate us from God's love. When you accept Him and you walk and you get yourself back on the path, you see you are loved. This is the Christmas message. And the final thing, number seven, is save from death. Save from death. You see, there's going to be a final, not only just our existential existential meltdown or do I do I even have life? Yes, you have life, you're worth. But the next crisis you and I, we're all going to face is we will face death. Death is a sad event. We will all face it. And during this COVID pandemic, whatever you believe about it, it's been terrible. It's taken too many lives. And it shows us that we as humans are fragile. We will not live eternally on this earth physically. You see, death is an enemy that we cannot cheat. You can't explain it away and you can't avoid it. We're all going to face it. However, here's the good news. In Jesus' death, in his death, burial and resurrection, not only did he triumph over evil, hate and sin, but he defeated death itself. He defeated death itself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 54, it says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will, will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Verse 57, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. You see, we can't not die. We're going to all die, but it won't be the end. It will be the beginning of our life in eternity with God. And the next scripture, I didn't write it down, but he says, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? You see, letter B is then this. Jesus saves us from death. Jesus, the incarnate God, makes a clear path for us now that we can boldly go to God. In fact, he holds the keys to death and Hades, to death and hell. Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He decides everyone's fate. But when you accept him, your fate is sealed that you will live with him eternally. If you're standing in the, in the, here in the room, would you stand with me? I'm sorry, if you're sitting, would you stand with us? If you're there on, in line, you can listen to this. Jesus has the final say. And it is, death has been defeated. If you accept it, you can have life eternal. You are loved. You, you, are, you are important. Hebrews 2.14 and 15 says, Since the children of flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, remember here, we're being rescued, and free those who all their lives will be held, were held in the slavery by their fear of death. You don't have to fear death. I don't want to die. I don't want you to die. But I want you to be ready. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Amen. Online, do you believe? Because this is why he came, Jesus came. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to save us so that we could have a relationship, we could have life, we could be free of guilt and condemnation. We need the Savior. I need the Savior. Will you be saved? The answer is yes if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and say, if you confess your sins. And what I'm going to do this morning, I'm just going to ask you to repeat a prayer online with me here in the room. And then the worship team is going to sing. I'm going to move down here. We'll, 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 we'll live stream the song for at least one time through. Uh, but I just want you to, to pray with me. Would you just, if you're in the room, bow your heads and, and where you're at online. Would you just bow your heads and, and would you just repeat after me? Please repeat after me. Jesus, I need you to save, to rescue, to deliver, and to heal me. Save me from my sin. And from myself. Save me for you and for your purposes. Save me by your love and for your love. Save me from despair and give me a hope. Help me to trust in your resurrection that I might face death, not with fear, but with hope for you are the resurrection. And you are my life. In your name. Amen. Amen. This is what Christmas is all about. God bless you. Live in Jesus.